Good morning. I've got some scriptures today. Most of the, the message today is just going to be scripture. And, you know, I can't go wrong when I do that. Amen. A lot of people don't agree with all the scriptures, and that's their problem. God's not going to rewrite the Bible for you in the way you want him to, way you want to live life. He's just not. So when I read what I read today, when we discuss what we discuss today, just remember this is what God said and not what Harold said. If you, wanna, if you have an issue with it, take it up with God, not me. Or if you want to talk, I'll talk, because we'll just go back to the Word. Because, I, listen, without the Word, we really have nothing. We just don't have anything. There's no reason to meet here today if we don't have the Word. Because, you see, Jesus is the Word, and the Word is Jesus. So I'm going to read straight through several verses here. So I want you to pay attention this this is a heavy message. I'll, I'll just say that. This is a heavy message. And I've really um, had a lot of people praying. I've been praying. We're just seeking God and how to deliver the word today. And, I, you know, sometimes I think, well, I don't want to offend people. I, listen, the word offends people. Jesus offended people. Uh, so if you get mad, if you get it mad at me, that's okay. But I'm in good company. But what else, I, what, the other thing I want to say about what I'm about to read is, I want you to listen to this personally. This is not for your, your mate. This is not for your children. This is for you personally. Sometimes we, li- you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we just listen and, oh, I, I heard that verse. I heard that scripture. But I want you to hear this personally this morning. So, Father, I pray right now that each one of us will hear the word the way you want us to hear it this morning. It'll be clear. It'll be powerful. I know it's powerful. Your word is powerful. But, Lord, that it will resonate within us. It'll it'll move us today from where we need to be if we're going to walk in a life of transformation. In Jesus' name. So if you have your Bibles, Ephesians 4, we begin with verse 11. I want to lay some foundation before we get into the rest of the message. And he himself, now this is Jesus, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for, say for, for for the equipping of the saints, that's everybody else, for the work, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that's lifting up the body of Christ, that's glorifying the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man or woman, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Who is our standard? It's Jesus Christ. It's not your neighbor. It's not me. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But, say but, but speaking the truth in love. Listen, if I don't do anything else today, if I get everything else wrong, listen, I want you to know what I'm speaking is in love. The word that's going to come from me is going to be bathed in love. It's been bathed in prayer. It's bathed in love. And I remember asking B, I said, B, when, when I would preach and, and you would hear the scripture and, and I would speak about that homosexuality was a sin, why did you keep coming? She said, because you did it with love. So if you're here today and some of these things hit you, and they're going to hit you, not just that issue, they'll hit you. Just remember, we're speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, 
from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in what? Love. This I say, therefore, and I testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance. Say ignorance. Because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their hearts. Say blindness. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness. That's really another word for wickedness. To work all uncleanness and with greediness. But, say but. But but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. That you put off. Concerning your former conduct, the old man or the old woman, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed. Say, be renewed. renewed. That's another word for transformation. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which or new woman, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Man, it's sharp. The word is sharp. Transformation, love's transformation, B's testimony of her life that has been changed. And like all of us, is continually being changed. See, we're changed, but we should continually be transformed. That's what the Bible teaches. We don't get it all at one time. We kind of do, but we kind of don't. We get salvation, but salvation is a process. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, the the culmination of your salvation, your initial salvation with Christ, is going to be when you step into his presence. Amen? Amen. The Bible speaks of transformation as happening, I love this, from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Say glory to glory. Glory. From faith to faith. Your life, my life, every Christian's life should be marked by transformation. A radical change. This is the definition of, ra- of transformation is a radical change, an extreme change. After all, listen, we've been transformed from darkness to light, from death to life, haven't we? We've, we the old man has been made new. He says in his word that all the old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Say, I'm a new creation in Christ. You know, when you gave your life to Christ, it's like Christ did an extreme makeover. He did an extreme makeover. He gave you a new identity. Uh, you know, I, I like, I like to, uh, some of the shows about, you know, where people, uh, there's, there's a witness to a crime, and it's maybe, let's say, it's that the mafia has done a crime, and somebody's witnessed the crime, and the only way they're, they're going to uh, come to the court and, and give their testimony is, is if they're protected. See, and I think that's kind of what we do. God puts us in witness protection program. Because when you go into witness protection, guess what? They give you a new identity. We get a new identity in Christ, right? They, they get a new place to live. Listen, we're, not, we're no longer just citizens of, of, the, uh, of America. We're citizens of heaven. We've been transformed. We're, we're, we're just passing through here, church. 
They're given this new identity. They're, they're given new jobs. We've been given a new job as Christians. We don't do the same things that we used to do. We have a new identity, a new place to live, and, and God's given us a whole new work and a whole new purpose in our life. And guess what? He protects us. He protects us. We get a new start. It's kind of like when we baptize somebody and they go under the water. What do we say? We were buried with Christ. Old identity, dead. New identity, raised up. The, the, the issue is finding our identity. The issue is finding out what God wants for us, our lives. And, for, and, and it's different for everybody as far as how we grab hold of that and, and the timing that we grab, it, grab hold of it in. So if, if God loved us so much, Randy, that he sent his only son to die for us, pay the price for us, why are so many believers, and I'm talking about believers this morning, why are so many believers not being transformed? Why are they stuck? Why do they go in the baptismal waters and come out and they... They don't, they don't progress. There, there's no transformation. We don't see a, an, that new identity overtake them. We don't see that new lifestyle overtake them. Why don't we see that more in, in the Lord? This is what the Lord showed me. I, listen, he showed me that th this week, and so we're going to talk about it. The first, the first thing that we have to do is lay a foundation of truth, which we already kind of did, but I want to read this from John 14, 6, the foundation of truth. Jesus said to him, he said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, say the truth, in the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. So we know that Jesus Christ is truth. He is pure truth. He is holy truth. He is, he is set apart. He is truth to the core. Have you ever heard the saying, what you don't know won't hurt you? Ignorance is bliss. Did you know that's really not true? Did you know that we have, we have so many sayings like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words won't let me. That's just a lie. And what you don't know won't hurt you, that's a lie. Ignorance is bliss, that's a lie, okay? Because God said, I want you to know truth. John 8, 31 says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, say abide. That means to remain. In my, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You're my students, you're my followers. And you shall know the truth. Say, know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Now, people go, well, if I know the truth, that, that means I'm free. Listen, it go, it's not knowing the truth here. It's knowing the truth here and applying it here and walking it out. It's, it's the practice of the truth. That sets you free. You know, I, I watch, anybody remember the Andy Griffith show? Remember when Otis, they put Otis in jail? And they locked the jail. They, they, they shut the door. And where were the keys? Right there outside the cell door. Otis knew the truth. And notice knew where the key was, and he knew how to get free. See, we get, we, 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 you can know the truth. You can be locked in a cell, and you can know the keys are out there, but you might get, you know what? I don't think I'm going to grab those keys. I know, that, I know I can get out. I can be free. See, there's a lot of Christians that you're in bondage. You're in addiction. You're in a lifestyle, and, and, and it's, it's got you in, in a bondage. You already know Christ, and he says, here are the keys. Just take hold of the keys. Take hold of my truths, and I'll, let you, I'll set you free. But people just choose. Listen, they choose not to do that. And, and God showed me some things why people choose to stay where they're, where they're at and why, they don't, why they're not transformed. Okay? So we're going to look at this. At 1 John 1, 6, just to, just to complete that. If we say that we have fellowship with him, Jesus, and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. 
That's what we've got to be about is practicing the truth, trying it out. Go for it. Get the truth in us and live it. So let's look at how God's word addresses those who have failed to be transformed and then also gives us the truth to change. The old identity, the first thing we talked about was that identity. If you turn to Romans 6, Romans 6, it comes after what Paul had just said in Romans 5, of course. And in one of the statements he made in Romans 5 was, where sin abounds, grace abounded much more. You, you've heard the grace message. I mean, we teach grace here. We, I, I believe totally in grace. And, and so when Paul said this, I'm sure the Holy Spirit said, now they're going to miss, they might just misconstrue that. There might be a misconception of grace here, Paul. So I want you to go a little bit further and tell them a little bit more about what grace is. Because we have a grace message out there, and it's called hyper-grace. Yeah, I don't even like that terminology because I believe God's grace for us is hyper. <laughs> it's pretty incredible, right? But it's called hyper-grace, and the hyper-grace message is you, you, when you get saved, you can sin all you want to, and it doesn't matter because God loves you anyway, and, and you just do what you want to, and it's okay with God. But it's not okay with God because God hates sin. So Paul has to address the rest of that in Romans 6, 1. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because he knew what they were going to be thinking. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin, remember, going under, live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So he's saying, listen, grace is not a license to sin. It's a, I say it's a license to love. It's a license to walk in obedience. So if, you, if, you, if you've got the grace of God this morning and you think it's okay to do whatever you want to and live your own life the way you want to, you have missed the truth. You've just totally missed it. And I'm telling you, that comes from a lot of pulpits, a lot of preachers, a lot of pe people are teaching this message. And I believe it is very counter. It's very simple to find it in Scripture that that's not what God meant when he said, I give you my grace is sufficient for you. I can't do whatever I want to and please God. So the transformation comes in the very next verse. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Walk, walk, walk. You know what walk means here? It means your lifestyle. It, mean, it doesn't mean I have a certain gait the way I walk and that you have to walk that way. No, it doesn't mean that. It means your lifestyle. It means God has a lifestyle. Jesus had a lifestyle, and you need to walk in his lifestyle. So we need to walk in the newness of life, not the oldness of life, not the old identity. How many of you struggle with your old identity? Come on, just be honest. How many of you struggle with your old identity? Because that's who people have said you were. That's who your parents said you were. That's who your wife or your husband, that's said, they, they said that and you hear these things enough, you get beat down with it enough, then you think, well, that's who you are, and that is not who you are. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. So let's look at this thing called ignorance. <laughs> ignorance does not mean stupid. They're not the same word. Okay? We do stupid stuff. Even though we know right from wrong, we still do stupid things. But ignorance is just not knowing. It's all through the scripture. I, I, I was surprised how many times not knowing or ignorance was, was in the word of God. So we're going to look at this, 1 Corinthians 6. This passage, and if you want to go back and look at all this in context, please do that. Please check, please check me out on Scripture. But the first part of that Scripture, if you want to look at it, Paul's talking about, hey, there are Christians that were suing their Christian brothers. And he said, you can't do that. Don't do that. 
You know, it's like two Christians that I see arguing on Facebook. I just like, don't do that. You know, don't debate on Facebook for the whole world to see how stupid you are. <laughs> Ignorant, I don't know. Do you not know? That means you're ignorant. Do you not know, Paul says, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, that's sexual immorality, nor idolaters, that means the worship of false gods, nor adulterers, I think most people know what adultery is, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, those are perverse sexual sins, nor thieves, hmm, thieves are right up there with homosexuals, nor adulterers, they're right up there with, oh, see, we want to focus on the homosexuals because we see that's what's taking place in our country when they legalize gay marriage and now all the other things that have followed it, and we kind of focus on that, but, you know, some people, it's pretty easy to throw a stone it's somebody like that while you're stealing something from work. <laughs> hmm, okay. Nor covetous, that means greedy. Oh, I'm sure nobody in here is greedy. Love of money is the root of all evil, the Bible says. Nor drunkards. Anybody want to confess from last night? No, just check. <laughs> Nor revilers. I had to look up revilers. That's not one of my common usage words that I use. You know what that means? That means somebody that's abusive with their language, that intimidates and manipulates with their language. Nor extortioners. That's just people that are swindlers. Con artists, yeah. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. These are all spirits. Do y'all realize that? Flesh and blood. We don't have our battles, not flesh and blood. These are spiritual things. These are, this is demonic. And like B said, you know, like some people, they get salvation, they get all that cleaned up all at one time. Glory to God. Some people have to go through deliverance to get cleaned up. Because some of these things have been passed on from generation to generation to generation. The Bible is very specific, especially about sexual immorality. That covers all, pretty much all of this. Because it affects more than just you. It affects the other person. And it affects families. Why do you think adultery? Why do you think God says adultery is wrong? Living together without being married, that's wrong, guys. The Bible's very clear about that. You come to me for marriage counseling, and, and you say, well, we want to get married. And I say, well, what's your living arrangement right now? Well, we're sleeping together. I said, well, then you need to separate. You need to repent. You need to ask each other to forgive each other. God can set that all straight. He does that. He can set it all straight and give you a new, a new life, a new start. And I've had people like, okay, we'll do that. We'll, we'll do that. And, and, and I've seen it work, work so beautifully because they, they ask each other, they forgave each other for living in that sinful situation or circumstances. Even, after, even, if, even if they have kids, it doesn't matter, but they forgive each other, they separate, and then they do it right. They get right in the eyes of God. They get right in the eyes of, in, in the, in the, eyes of the church, and they give their life to Christ. They get married correctly, and then they can move forward with their life. 
not having to look back and go, well, you know, this is how our life was before. No, this is how our life is now. And if you're here this morning and that's your situation, God loves you. I love you. If you're practicing homosexuality, we invite you to come. People say, well, there's, there are people that are homosexuals coming into our church. I said, well, glory to God. Can they sit by you because I think you're a sinner too? Well, I don't do that. Yeah, but you do something else. You know, when, when I, I looked at these scriptures and I thought, you know, when Jesus caught the woman in the adultery, remember what he did. He just says right here, the one to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, who is this? Look, look, we, we can stone her, can't we? Didn't the law say we can stone her? He said, yeah, but if, if you're without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. And they all left, and Jesus looked at her. She was standing there by herself, probably stripped down, half naked, just filthy, in the, and just shamed in front of everybody. He said, where are your accusers? She said, Lord, I see none. He said, what did he say? Neither do I condemn you. Go. But he, listen, a lot of people wanted to end it there, but he said, go and sin no more. He meant go and leave that lifestyle. Don't go back to adultery. Don't go back to prostitution. That's what he meant by that. And I, when we talk about greedy, listen, I think about when, when the rich young ruler came to Jesus, he said, he said, Master, how do I get eternal life? And he said, well, keep the commandments. And, the, and that man, he was, I guess he was pretty arrogant. And he said, well, I, I've kept all of those. And he said, well, okay, here's what you need to do. And if you'll read in one of the Gospels, I'm not sure I didn't look it up, but one of the Gospels, it just stuck out at me. It said, Jesus looked at the man and loved him. He looked at him and loved him. And he said, now go and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the man went away sorrowful because he was very wealthy. See, that's a spirit of greed. It was more important to him than he have his stuff than he have eternal life. And if you're here this morning, if, if everything is, is revolved in your life is around money, 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 things, stuff, more stuff, more money, more things, then you may have a spirit of greed or covetousness. You might, want, you might want some things that you don't really need or you might want something that somebody else has. And God says, listen, that's not the attitude of Christ. That's not the character of Christ. He came, he didn't even have a plate. He didn't even have a cot. He didn't have an RV. He was just landed on the ground with a rock for a, for a pillow. And look at the transformation in verse 11. And such were, were, were some of you. Such were some of you. I'm looking at B when I said that. I'm looking at everybody else too. Some, we've all done some of this stuff. Maybe not to, maybe not to the magnitude of somebody else. It doesn't matter. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. It separates us from God. He says, such were some of you, but here's the key. Here's the transformation. Look at it, church. But you were washed. Washed by the water of the word. Washed by the Holy Spirit. Washed by baptism. You're washed by the Holy, by baptism of the Holy. You're washed. You were sanctified. You were set apart by Jesus Christ himself. He didn't save you just to leave you where you're at. I love that what B said. He, he loved her so much that he said, I can't leave you where you're at. 
I'm, you're, I've sanctified you. You're set apart now for the work of the kingdom. Amen. But you were justified. Listen, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. The, Jesus looks at us and he says, I know you've done a lot of bad things in your life, but I've forgiven you. I've forgiven you. The blood of Jesus covers you. You've been justified. It's just as if you've never sinned. When you stand before God and you say, God, I've given you my life. He says, I know you're covered by the blood of my son. You're his. Come on in. That's how it works, church. But there's more ignorance. Let's talk about ignorance a little bit more. Verse, six, verse 18, 1 Corinthians 6. Flee sexual immorality. Listen, he can't tell you that enough. It's rampant in our culture. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Now, here's the key. Or do you not know? Are you, are you ignorant? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Say, I'm not my own. I don't belong to me. I belong to God. Now, get revelation of that. Sounded good. Sounded good. Hey, yes, Andrew. Hey, I, I, belong to, I don't belong to me. But how many of you, your day is orchestrated about what you want? How many of you, your life is orchestrated and it all revolves about what you want? We, we start out with our, our, our kids. Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a fireman. You don't even say, hey, what do you think God has in store for you for your life when you grow up? Because we, that's just a dumb question for a little kid. But we'll ask him what he wants to be. I'll be I want to be a fireman. Hey, let's, let's just let's start working with our children a little bit more at a younger age. Say, you know what? God's got a plan for your life. He's got this purpose for your life. I don't know what he wants you to be, but God, he's going to show you if you just trust him. Amen. It's not about you. It's about him. You know, if we could get the revelation of what, who we carry, my wife says it all the time, if we could just get a revelation of who we carry. But I'm going to take it a little bit further, who we carry and who we're supposed to obey because it's not our life and it's not our decisions to make. That's why people have struggled with, with the idea of suicide. Am I going to go to heaven if I commit suicide? Because you know what you've done. You've, you've circumvented God's plan in his appointed time for your death. Well, I think I'll just end it now. Listen, that's the most ignorant thing you can say. It's not your life to choose. It's not your time to choose. He says, I've appointed a day for you. And people circumvent God's plan for their life and they and end their life. Now, I'm not saying they don't go to heaven. That's not my call. The only thing that I believe that keeps you out of heaven is not knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So, that being said, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Man, if we really got a revelation of that, we wouldn't do to our bodies what we do to our bodies. Be included. Amen? Amen. She didn't agree. I'm not sure. <laughs> Look at verse 20. For you, the transformation. For you were bought at a price. What was the price? blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of the Son of God. You are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your money is not yours. Your car is not yours. Your house is not yours. Your kids are not yours. If you really believe that what 
Scripture says that everything that we have belongs to God, and especially you. You belong to God. Say, I belong to God. Culture. Romans 12. We read this scripture all the time. Culture keeps us from reaching our potential in trans being transformed by the blood of Jesus, by the word of God, doesn't it? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your incredible, outlandish, overwhelming... No. Oh, wait, wait. Get back. It's your reasonable service. Reasonable. Reasonable. Say reasonable. God said, I don't think I'm asking too much. Have you just to listen to me and obey my commandments? Matter of fact, they're not too hard. It says in first John, they're not too hard. Why can't you just not tell a lie? Why can't you just do what's right? Would there, be, there would be a total re revival in America if Christians just did the right thing. If they just did the right thing. They paid their taxes on time. If they didn't speed, if they didn't shoot the finger at the guy to cut them off, you know, whatever. If you just did the right thing, if you just responded kindly to somebody that was not nice to you, if we just did the right thing, but you know what we do? We have this culture, this critical culture that we live in, that this put-down culture, that, and that culture goes back even for Christians is, hey, don't be, don't be messing with me. This is my life. You're, don't be talking about me like that. And we, we get up, all up in people's faces, and we think we have a right to. I know Christians that beat up other Christians. You what? Come on, man. Come on. Let's get it on. Yeah, come on. Come. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready for you. Yeah. Well, me and Jesus, we're whooping you. Just do the right thing. We read that scripture in Acts 10. 38, and then Acts 10, Jesus, you know, went about doing what? What's the first part of that scripture? He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Just do what's right. Yeah. <laughs> Muhammad Ali got nothing on me. <laughs> My legs are going to be paying the price later. Yeah. Verse 28a. No, 2a, excuse me. <laughs> and do not be conformed to this world. You know what it mean, means to be conformed? Don't take the bait. Don't let the world dictate your life. Don't let your past dictate your life. Don't let the devil dictate your life. Don't be conformed to this world. Easy to say. Not so easy to do, is it? So what's the transformation? And but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, he always gives us an answer to the dilemmas. The scriptures do. So don't be conformed to the world. Well, okay, how do we do, what do we do then, God? Will you be transformed by the renewing of your mind? See, that word renewing your mind is really a repentant heart, a repentant mind. It's like, okay, I used to live this way. I used to live this lifestyle. Holy Spirit says, Word of God says, oh, okay, that was wrong. What do you do? You repent. 
you ask the Lord to forgive you, you repent, and you say, Lord, help me change the way I think about that situation. Help me, help me change the way I think about that lifestyle. Because once you get to that place of allowing God to be Lord of your life, instead of you being Lord of your life, then change will come. Your mind will be renewed. And that is a continual statement. Be transformed. It's a continual transformation. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual getting in the Word. It's a continual being around God's people. It's a continual staying focused on the King of kings and Lord of lords and not on your own lifestyle, your own issues. How do you be transformed in this culture, though? Well, you change, you change what you're watching. You change what you're listening to. You change the places that you go. You change the things that you participated in in the past. Right? And that goes to the next one, habits. 1 Corinthians 15, says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. There are good habits. God wants you. God bless you. God wants us to be in... In living in a habitually good lifestyle that, that examples and resonates the, the Christ-like life. That's what he asked us to do. And so if you want to be transformed, you will get away from the people that try to bring you back to your old life. The transformation, he says in verse 34, here is the answer. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame, Paul says. You want to you know that the people that you're hanging around are not the people you should be hanging around? Then you need to wake up to right righteousness. That's the right relationship with Jesus Christ. What would he tell you to do? Where would he tell you to go? What would Jesus do? And the last one is rebellion. Somebody came up to me at church and said, you know, that we, I know we're in the last days because... And if we preach it, you're going to scare a lot of people. But, and I said, well, i got a scripture this morning that will pretty much let you know that we are in the last days. 2 Timothy 3, 1. But know this, that in the last days, <laughs> perilous times will come. Now, just tell me if you think this looks like America. For men will be lovers. Well, let's broaden it. The world. For men will be lovers of themselves. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. There's that greed thing. Boasters. There's that proud pride thing. Proud. Oh, there's another word for boasters. Blasphemers. Oh, they're teaching error. Disobedient to parents. Oh, I'm sure none of our kids are disobedient to their parents. Right? Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, there's another word for pride, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying his power. I would say if there's a def definitive passage that says we pretty much are in our last days, that would be it. Would you agree? Yes. Just like in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul wants us to be aware that there's a sin problem. You know, if you don't know that, you'll, 
you won't know it and you'll be ignorant of it and you'll you'll do it but God had said that there's a way to live there's a way to live our life and just like in the habits the transformation in 2nd Timothy 3 5b says and from such people turn away run Forrest run Quit hanging around these people that are doing this stuff. And if you're the people doing this stuff, repent and quit doing this stuff. Two scriptures and we'll close. Second Corinthians 3.16 Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now that, if you go back and read it in context, you'll find that he's talking about the Old Testament and Moses... But I want to tell you this, the veil for us as believers today, the, it, it's when you came out of the darkness into the light, okay? Now think of that in terms of the next verse. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. That's our, that was our go-to verse when we started this work. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He said there's liberty where the Spirit of the Lord is, but we all... With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. See that we've, we've been enlightened, okay? And now we're looking in the mirror at God, are being transformed into the same image to look like Him from what? Glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now I liken that word glory to glory as the presence to the presence. If you think you can come here on a Sunday morning and get into his presence, wave your hands and sing some songs. You think that's what he means by getting in his, in his presence from glory to glory. And if you do it once a week, you will not be transformed like the person that wakes up every day and says, God, this is your day. Lord, I just want to be where you are. Live through me today, God. Show me your plan and your purpose for me today, God. Because it's not about me, it's about you. It's about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What if Jesus had the, in the garden had said, Oh God, I don't want to go to the cross. You know what? I just forget the whole thing. But he didn't. He said, Not my will, Father, but yours be done. And he went to the cross and he made a way for us to live this life of abundance, to live this life of freedom, to live this life out of bondage and in the freedom of Christ. He made a way for us to do that. Being in his glory, in his presence will transform you and you'll look more and more like Jesus the more and more you stay close to him. And then in Romans 1.16 it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ when people say, well, I don't like what that Bible says about that subject or that subject. So you know what? I'm not ashamed because I believe the word of God is true and the word of God is powerful and the word of God is going to live, is going to dictate my life and not somebody's opinion out there of what the word of God says. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek and for everybody in Texas. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith to faith.
to faith, to faith, to faith, to faith, to faith. You know what that means? You trust God. It doesn't look good, but you trust him anyway. It didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. You trust him anyway. My prayers weren't answered the way I thought they should have been. You trust him anyway. But God, my friend, is this. You trust him anyway. And you keep trusting him. And you get in his presence. And you trust him. And you get in his presence. And you become transformed. And you look more and more like Jesus every day. And if you look a lot like Jesus, man, that is okay. That is beautiful. But some of us, we still look like the old person. We still have the old language. We still go to the old places. We still do the old things. We still live the same old lifestyle. That is not God's plan for your life. That's not me saying that. That's the word of God. His plan for you is abundance. His plan for you is freedom. His plan for you is grace. His plan for you is for you to walk it out. To the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning?